Coming up, Cam Thomas is probable to return against the Charlotte Hornets, and that means great things on the court, but also creates the first test for Jacques Vaughn, navigating rotations, who should start, who should come off the bench, and making sure that the Brooklyn Nets do one thing, keep winning basketball games. We dive in coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you'll find Doug Norrie. I'm Adam Armbrecht. We thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. We are 100% free on all those great platforms. And remind you, today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. And my first purchase, Doug is the return of Cam Tour t-shirts. If they're printing them, I'm buying them. Cam Thomas back. I, I You can make the case, not a moment too soon for a team that needs that offensive jolt. Yeah, let's go, baby. Got to get this guy back on the court. Um, He'd been one of the coolest stories in the whole NBA before getting hurt. That's not hyperbole. This guy for eight gone games. from... It was really cool for eight games. I mean, he was just become a national story. Like, it just yeah. become a national story for just how he'd emerged as just a primetime scorer, right? And the Nets have been desperate for this kind of guy. You know, he was two games. He got hurt in the 20 minutes uh, in the Clippers game. And the, he was coming off 41 minutes against Milwaukee where he dropped 45, right? Like this guy, and they lost that game. It was really close when that was against a full-strength Bucks team. This guy is, again, one of the cooler stories in the entire NBA. The Nets have been desperate for it like, ever since basically Katie and Kyrie left for like sort of a go-to scorer type. And he had emerged as a guy that legit just could do that with some of the very best guys in all of the NBA. So when you lose them, it's, it's a, it's a brutal beat, but we were kind of reading the tea leaves around what the nets had released in terms of injury news. And they had said he was working his way back. We guessed that that probably meant this was two days ago or yesterday. We, we guessed it probably meant either a return Thursday or Saturday. And it looks like even better news. It's going to be happening Thursday, even sooner than expected, which is going to raise some interesting questions about moving forward. Always great to get players back. And maybe the Jack Vaughn and company are in a little bit of a pickle now. I'm not sure. Yeah, and just as a reminder, the 27-point scorer that, that Cam Thomas has been to start this year over those first eight games, that would make him the leading scorer for this team, obviously. But then even inside those numbers, you mentioned that 45-point performance. There really hadn't been. There was one, quote, you know, off performance against Chicago, 6 of 18, just 33% from the field, 17 points. Outside of that, and you, you can throw in the Miami game there, it was actually probably the, the real clunker. He's been consistent. Like six out of those eight games, he was prime time, knocking down 61, 60%, 45 from the field. The three-point shooting hadn't been relied upon heavily, but the other big factor that we've loved about him, of course, is getting to the free throw line, drawing fouls, something that this team desperately lacks. So when we start talking about this, Doug, the simple question we'll start with is, is Cam Thomas, let's assume that there's no minute restrictions in this first game. We're talking a little bit big picture here as well. Should he be in the starting rotation immediately upon his return? I do. Yes. I think he should be in the, in the starting rotation. Um, I Will think the question he is, be in the starting rotation? Well, that's a different question, right? So yes. I think it's really hard to look yourself in the mirror and say, if you're the coaching staff or the front office and say, this guy, when he left through eight games was the 12th leading scorer in basketball. Right. And the names above him are like no doubt stars. stars right. So um, it's, these, these are the guys in front of him in terms of scoring Joel Embiid, Kevin Durant, Luka Doncic, uh, SGA, Giannis, 
De'Aaron Fox, Steph, Devin Booker, Jokic, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Cam Thomas. Like I've heard of a couple of them. Sure. Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, a couple of some up and coming guys, right? We'll keep an eye. We'll keep an eye on some of the, we'll keep an eye on lucky some of these plucky go getters. Yeah. Plucky little go getters and see if they're able to turn something into a career, right? That's a list of the absolute all NBA superstars. Like that's the all NBA team, basically. Yeah. That they, and then they're, and then guys like below them are like Tyrese Maxey and Anthony Edwards, right? Damian Miller, Tyrese Halliburton. Like this list is insane. And so I think that you can't, in a vacuum or really probably anywhere, look at this situation and say, you know, should he come off the bench? No, he should not come off the bench. Like the guy can score with efficiency with the very best in the league. The problem is that any move you make now does have an effect on the rest of the team because the Nets, unfortunately, are not built like a team where it's just very easy to remove one guy from this mix and not think about the problems it causes. Very clearly, I want to be clear. Cam does scoring better than anyone else does anything else in this lineup. <laughs> so, yeah. and I, you know, rebounding, like anything else. So from that standpoint, you have to have him in the starting lineup. But you're kidding yourself if you think it's like an easy decision, right? Yeah. I, I don't th- I don't see it that way at all. I, it's It's a hard decision that will affect your lineup in some other slightly negative way somewhere else. And there's like lots of things statistically, egotistically, like all like different, like there's a bunch of different stuff that can happen here. I don't know. I'm fascinated. I'm curious what you think is going to happen, right? Like, or, and I guess we're going to end up talking about what we think the lineups should be. I also do not think this is the easiest answer either. No, that's, that's part of the problem. And I, I agree with you. He should be in the starting lineup based on all of the things that you put out there, the way that he started this season and ultimately what he's going to mean for this team for the remainder of the season. Like that's, you, you need to get your best players playing their best basketball as fast as possible to win more basketball games. That's Cam Thomas being inside of the starting rotation. But the problem is, and it does work in conjunction with not having for whatever your expectations are in the big picture for Ben Simmons, no Ben Simmons immediately makes all of these combinations a little bit weirder. It introduces size issues. It introduces ball handling issues. And not only inside the starting rotation, it's also what you end up having in the second unit where you say, okay, now how do we maximize a player like Lonnie Walker, who's been having a really good start to his year? How do we make sure that we get the best out of Royce O'Neal and Dorian Finney-Smith, depending on how you flex these things around? That's where there is not an easy answer. I think... What I'm what I'm fascinated by is the best options, and we'll get into them here in a second. The best options are the ones that insult a lot of egos. I think that's that's the way you create yeah. the best lineups. That's why I was like saying like without st- doing it. Yep, statistically and egotistically, like there's there's yep. multiple. And you're kidding yourself if you think that there's aren't other factors at play here. There are like when you run a team, when you run an organization. You have to consider holistically the, the the things that are presented when you make decisions. Now, again, you should always make the thing that makes the team the best on the court. So that it really should always start there. But Jacques Vaughn, as much as anything else, has to be a personality manager, an ego manager. These guys are millionaires, right? Like, and that are the very best in the world at what they do, right? And have gotten there on the back of unbelievably hard work that most human beings could not even begin to relate to, right? Like, so, and you're kidding yourself if you think you can. So 
there are just other things at play here. Ultimately, you should do the thing that makes the the, the, the team the best on the court always 100% of the time. But Jacques Vaughn has defaulted in different directions many times with these things. And yeah. I do wonder if these are the things that play in the back of his head. I want to go through a bunch of the scenarios here. What removing one player, like player A for Cam, player B for Cam, like what the, each of those moves would mean for the team and the different combinations they can get throw out there. We'll talk about that here in a second. Before we get to that, can I tell you about our friends over at Game Time? Game Time figured this stuff out. If you've been frustrated buying tickets before, if you want to just go see a game, you want to see a play, you want to see a concert, that stuff's supposed to be fun. That's the fun stuff. You want to buy your tickets and get to the event that you want to see. You don't want having buying the ticket be a hassle, have it be frustrating. Game Time took all that out, made it a very, very easy experience. Last-minute tickets. They got flash deals. They got zone deals. They can be easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. You can check out the seats that you're going to sit in and like what you're actually going to see when you sit down in the venue so there's no surprises. If you go over to Game Time right now, if you're listening here Thursday morning, still time over at Game Time, Charlotte Hornets at Brooklyn Nets starting at $8. Can that even be right? Starting $8 to get into Barclays. Mini court giveaway. Come on, stop it now. And then they got other stuff, a little more expensive. But if you go uh, for 12 2 that's Saturday. Orlando Magic at Brooklyn Nets starting at $35. But that's beanie giveaway night. Just some of what you can grab over at Game Time. Like I said, Game Time is made buying tickets easy. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the code Locked On MBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On MBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right. So as we continue talking about the return of Cam Thomas, yay. And all that that means for the Brooklyn Nets roster and rotation, just to listen as if you need people to crystallize this for you. But remember, it's not just that you have veterans like Spencer Dinwiddie, who is on an expiring contract or a Dorian Finney Smith on a very team friendly deal. Another veteran player with a clear defined role who stepped up into a starting unit frequently when the Nets have needed him to. You also have the newly minted Cameron Johnson and his contract, Mikhail Bridges being the face of the Kevin Durant trade. And I'm not saying that any necessarily one of these guys is going to be the one we'll talk about being moved out of the starting rotation, but they all have expectations. They all have, as Doug said, egos. And it's impossible if you're Jock Vaughn, who played, never played necessarily as one of the best players in the league, but he was a long lifetime NBA player. He knows what it is to go through these things. So we talk about taking somebody out, Doug. Let's start in the backcourt. Because I've heard this a lot from fans. We've said this before. Fans, the first guy fans are ready to kick out the door without even a blink is Spencer Dinwiddie. And he is by far the guy that can do the you know the few things, a number of things simultaneously for you. He can wear different hats. It's why he actually is so valuable, whether or not you think he should be here long-term or otherwise. If you take Spencer Dinwiddie out of this lineup, you put Cam Thomas in, hey, you've got the scoring. But you don't have any ball handler. You do not have your field general on the court anymore. Let's just start right there. Can do, would you would you think they would or should they do the swap Spencer Dinwiddie for Cam Thomas? Because I can't see that being viable. I know that's the easiest one because it's a guard for guard, and yep. some some people have it out for Dinwiddie. Like some fans out there are just not huge fans of Spencer Dinwiddie over the years, and for whatever reason, maybe style. I can see that from certain standpoints, like stylistically, he might not be your favorite. Um, I can totally understand that. Maybe you don't like the the complaining to the refs. There's other, you know, maybe you don't like some end of the shot contract clock is now a big part of it, by the way, for this iteration of Spencer Dinwiddie. Fans seem to have a real issue that he's a twenty million dollar expiring contract as well. 
I get that that's the easiest swap. If there's going to be a swap, that probably would be it. Because I think we can instantly remove. Like, we're not talking about moving Nick Claxton out of the starting lineup. We're not talking about moving Mikhail Bridges out of the starting lineup. I think those two guys are obviously 100% safe. So it's really now down to Spencer Dinwiddie, Cam Johnson, or Dorian Finney-Smith, right? And mm-hmm. and you like you said, moving Cam out of the – sorry, moving uh, Spencer out of the lineup is the most obvious swap because, like, it's smaller guard for smaller guard. It's worth noting here that in terms of net rating, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is the highest player on the Nets this year. Doesn't <laughs> in, matter. In 31 minutes a game, he's a plus eight and a half net rating, um, 119 offensive, 111 defensive. So you would be. It's one of the best defensive ratings on the team, too. You'd be moving out one of, let's not say your best, but one of your best players this year mm-hmm. and giving that player reduced minutes. It makes sense. Because you're saying we have a guard, and if spar- starting Dinwiddie and and Cam next to each other might cause other issues for the rest of the lineup, this is a hard move. Spencer has been one of the main reasons this guy that this team is nine and eight this season, even with all these other injuries. And all of a sudden, moving a guy like that out of the starting lineup also sends a weird signal, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? And so, and it'd be much easier if Dinwiddie had been the worst of this group. But it's like the opposite, right? If he'd been the worst of the group and he'd been this weak link and you've been getting this really terrible guard play from him, it'd be, it, this would be so easy. It's the opposite. He's been the arguably from a s- certain numbers, the best guy on the team when it comes to net rating and just his impact on the court. I think this logically is where you go, but I'm we're just introducing the problem that this has. Also, Spencer Dinwiddie is one of the very few ball facilitators on the team, like you mentioned, without Ben Simmons. Cam Thomas is not a ball facilitator. He, The guy doesn't get assists. Like, he just doesn't. <laughs> and you are removing distribution from your lineup to a pretty big degree. And I wonder about the downchain effects of that, too. So if you think this is like – let me put it this way. If you say to yourself, this is the easy, snap call, jam it, I know it, you know, all in. It's, it's got to be Dinwiddie. <laughs> right. I don't actually don't think. I don't actually don't. It's hard. I can't respect that opinion because no. it doesn't. It's it. It lacks any kind of nuance. And I'll tell you right now, when you mentioned about from a facilitator standpoint, especially as we say, without having Ben Simmons in this rotation, if you take that facilitator out, I, I can paint a picture where there's a lot of ISO Cam Thomas ball, and there's a lot of times where what you end up doing is wasting possessions of Mikhail Bridges offensively, wasting possessions of Cameron Johnson. That's not even a knock on Cam Thomas. It's just about what you need to have inside of your five-man lineup here. So if you're thinking about trying to create the most balanced version of your team, you need a guy, in this case, Spencer Dinwiddie, to help set these other players up. And that can include Cam Thomas. So maybe there's a version of this where we end up with Spencer Dinwiddie and Cam Thomas in the starting lineup. There's going to be a downchain effect to that too when it comes to the second unit. One footnote that I'll make here before I think I want to go to Dorian Finney-Smith, I'll just say that whatever we thought a Dennis Smith Jr. was going to be, him not being healthy and maybe carving out a role for himself, that impacts this conversation in a big way because he's a pure point guard, set the table kind of guy. The Nets don't have a lot of these players and not having him be available makes this a little bit tricky. So we've talked to Spencer Dinwiddie angle. Dorian Finney-Smith, to me, would be the next logical guy up. He's a veteran. He's come off the bench before. He was supposed to be a bench player. Only through injury has he been thrust into this role, where he's been pretty darn good and punched above his weight class. If you take him out, Doug, let's start with the first problem. 
Well, gosh darn it, you're a real small team now, aren't you? Now you have just one pure five in Nicholas Claxton. He needs to protect the basket. He also needs to be what he always is, switching and defending out on the perimeter as well. You you have offense. You can make a case you'd be a, a very good offensive team, but I wonder if the defensive margins would really start to come into play here and the matchups that Cameron Johnson has to take on that Mikhail Bridges has to take on because of that. Yeah, so that lineup is now, just to paint the picture, that that lineup would now be Spencer Dinwiddie, Cam Thomas, Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson, Nick Claxton. Offensively, I think that team is a very good team. I think that team can space the court. I think you probably can get away with actually less ball distribution at that point because you just have four knockdown shooters, basically, and two guys at least, oh no, three guys that can take guys off the dribble. Oh, sorry, it's ball distribution because that's sorry, still has Dinwiddie. So you have you just have a good offense. I think you have a very good offense in that standpoint. Um, and maybe that wins the day, right? It's like, hey, that offense would be pretty. Uh, that'd be a pretty tough offense to deal with for other teams to deal with. You would get crushed on the glass. Like they are going to, they're going to, that's for a team that's been rebounding really, really well this year. Um, I think we would see a major dip in that. And from that standpoint, and this defense would have a lot of problems this defensively, just because there's no, there's no size at all. I mean, this is like a group of very skinny, slighter kind of defense good rangey defenders but there's i mean they would get bodied by certain yeah. by certain teams so I, I think that i think you'd be looking at real real problems like that but maybe the offense is good enough maybe that offense is so good that we actually wouldn't worry about it there's a, that that's that's in the range of outcomes by the way the five-man rotation of cam thomas spencer dinwiddie mikhail bridges cameron johnson and nicks claxton they played zero minutes together so i don't have the sample size i can't tell you what that would look like but that's we crazy. can all speculate on it i know i actually think that is a little insane that we haven't at least seen that overlap a little bit here at the start of the year though maybe going back to last season wasn't enough time the the, the thing you mentioned there too listen cam thomas is always going to be for the most part the weakest defender on the court no matter what the pairings are but if you go small like this I think you are also begging for him to be overexposed time after time, right? And again, it diminishes everyone's value on the defensive end of the floor. So push come to shove. I like the idea of having Spencer Dinwiddie, the facilitator with Cam Thomas on the floor together. But if it can't be at least in the short term, Dorian Finney-Smith in the absence of Ben Simmons, there's only one more player, Doug, that we'll get to here in a second. And it's the guy that just signed a nice big new contract with the Brooklyn Nets and Cameron Johnson. Is there any world where we think that the best value is actually in moving him out of the starting rotation? We'll talk about that, what the second unit would look like, and ultimately about creating balance because that's what Jacques Vaughn and this team has done so far this year, be balanced and capable of beating you in the starting and bench units. Let's see if we can get to the bottom of the perfect lineup next. Before we get into that, going to tell you about our good, good, good friends over at FanDuel. No better time to get in on the NBA action then over on FanDuel, where new customers are going to get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. If you're getting money in on the money line, this is the, this is the easy one because this is like the fans bet, right? If you're getting in money on the money line and the Nets money line, that just means you're out there rooting for the Nets to win. Sometimes when it comes to this stuff, that is actually the easiest way to go. Your heart's in the right place. Your wallet's in the right place. It's all sort of pointed in the right direction. Universe likes that too. And FanDuel is going to reward you. If the Nets can follow up with that money line bet, well, giving you $150 in bonus bets. It's not just the money line either over at FanDuel. They got the spreads. They got player props, over-unders, so much more. I've been telling you, I've been getting into the points plus rebounds plus assists lately. Those player combos on a nightly basis, love putting those in over on FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. 
Get in on the action this NBA season. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. All right, so as we tie a bow on the return of Cam Thomas and how we create the ideal lineups for this team to be successful, in this closeout segment, Doug, we have to address what does the second unit look like, right? Because we're, we're focused on, most importantly, as we should, what's the starting five? But you also have to create a complementary unit there that can still be scoring and effective and have some defensive value. I wonder if we ever touch on the Royce O'Neal of it all here, but Cameron Johnson, because of the size, defensive value, and really, this is actually a credit to Cameron Johnson, much like Spencer Dinwiddie. I don't feel like I can take him out because of the facilitation. He can do a little bit of everything. I can paint a picture where Cameron Johnson has a ton of value over a lot of other guys in the second unit, and you lose the least, which is it's insulting to say it this way, but you lose the least in totality by taking him out of the starting unit and replacing him with Cam Thomas. Yeah, this is really this is another one of these very tough decisions, right? And this is why this I is actually, the ego yeah, one. This is the big ego one to me, right? Like it's even also more just like the ego. It's the ego. It's multiple egos here because it's Cam. I don't think Cam Johnson has like an ego. He's like really actually super grounded dude. So I, I don't. I, I'm no one here is trying to put frame the word ego as like um like some kind of negative. Actually, I think in a lot of ways, what we're talking about ego ego egotistically here are the things that get these guys to the highest level. They're super competitive. Right. They think they're the best. You have to believe those things if you play at this level. Like that's just it. So when we talk about ego here, it's actually like probably drive. It's probably a different mm -hmm. word, right? It's like drive, it's insane drive, um, which all these guys have. But you'd also look at it from a front office standpoint. It's like, hey, this was one of our big offseason signings. We're going to send this guy to the bench. Like, is that something that we're willing to do? That doesn't. That's not an amazing look, <laughs> right? For and it's not like he's played horribly. Um, you know, I, it's been a little slow start for him. But in general, this was the guy that you were sort of hitching a short term, nice, feel good wagon to uh, coming over in the KD trade. So I think that that's a that's a tough pull also. And. I guess maybe the more I think about it here as we talk this out, and by the way, that, that five-man unit um, has played 10 minutes. They played 10 minutes together last year. Uh, they were insane for 10 minutes, 150 offensive rating, 85 defense. Okay. So just running hotter than the sun for 10 minutes out there on the court of just like the greatest five-man unit you've ever seen in your life, basically. I think actually okay. that in talking about this, this will be the lineup and they'll just give up the problems that they think they have and maybe just make some quick subs and and – and do what you need to do to sort of, you know, round out the unit. We've seen quick pulls on Nick Claxton here. Like it, mm -hmm. it's, you know, in quick rotations. I wonder if actually this is just the group and I'm over, we're over me personally. I'm overthinking about it with the problems. And it's just like, this is the, this is the contract and new, nice story lineup that you just put out there as your starting lineup. So, and just, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, care. Cam Thomas, Mikhail Bridges, Cameron Johnson, and Nicholas Claxton. That's what you're saying. That's the starting five. And you just go with it and you, you make the adjustments as quickly as you need to. I mean, doesn't don't you feel like that? Maybe I don't want to put words in your mouth here. Uh, don't you feel like that narratively and probably just from a basketball standpoint, you can get by with it enough, like it's good enough on offense. And from a narrative perspective, it hits sort of all the beats on these are the guys that get paid. These are the guys that have played well. Like these are the guys that probably deserve to be here. It's a little easier to move DFS back to the 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 bench right we don't have simmons here yet so yeah. we don't we kick this problem down the road like we don't need to deal with this one yet it probably just is that group um right i i i do tend to uh yes i tend to agree and we can get to the bench here in a second because i think there's there's different problems to get created depending on which way you go there too the only i guess it's not even pushback but i'll offer the other side of it it's that like while we know the nets and and jock vaughn have come around quote unquote on camp thomas we saw him explode here early but he wasn't in the starting unit 
you know, you know, as, as injuries happened and stuff, he started to get some starts. But if everyone was 100% healthy, were they? did they ever envision him that way? Now, the results can inform, okay, we didn't plan on it, but he should be. And we all agree that he should be. It, this would be serving everything well, to your, as you said, narratives and also the veterans and the experience. But is that 100% what we believe the Nets will serve? Now, well, I, I, go ahead. Okay, sorry to interrupt you. I'll say this. If we agree that there's a problem with each of the moves, <laughs> like, and there's like sure. some, if, if there's some inherent negative to each of the moves, understanding that like Cam should be in the line, like every move sort of has a problem with it. And yeah. at that point, I probably actually would just default to the thing that makes the most narrative sense. <laughs> okay. Right? So because let's, let's talk about it from this other standpoint. I agree with you because the other way you look at this is, okay, let's say Cam Thomas is on the bench. That's where you're going to start. Then you look and you say, well, Lonnie Walker has been a firecracker for us coming off the bench of six man. If you start to think about the second unit, I also think that this is where you want to strike the balance. And maybe if we're talking about that five man unit of Dinwiddie, Cam, uh, Thomas, excuse me, McHale, Johnson, and Claxton, the quick pull might end. It, it can be it can be that Dorian Finney-Smith comes, comes in pretty quick. Does he come in for Cam Thomas or does he come in for Spencer Dinwiddie? Do you get Spencer Dinwiddie to start being your second unit facilitator? Do you like having Thomas as an ISO guy that can take over in that second unit? There's a little bit of flexibility there that if you ended up with a Lonnie Walker, Cam Thomas second unit, there's the one world where these guys are howitzers and they're, they're, they're raining hellfire. There's the other world where one of them gets diminished, most likely Lonnie Walker. So even though these are like the second and third, you know, quote unquote problems that Jock Vaughn has to sort out, I do think it matters. Royce O'Neal, listen, he, he serves the role admirably. He's a veteran. He's coming off the bench. He's 30 years old and he's knocking down six out of 12 from beyond the arc, right? So I think you want to try to maintain that consistency. And if you believe that the best players are most capable of adapting the easiest to changes, whereas rhythm players, role players, they can struggle more, then what you probably don't want to do is put Cam Thomas in the second unit and maybe blow up whatever the consistency and rhythm that they found there. And that includes, by the way, a guy like Dave Ron Sharp for whatever minutes he's going to play. I don't see Cam Thomas necessarily elevating Dayron Sharp. And these are all guys that that need to be maximized by somebody else, right? Yeah. And I think that like that probably keeps that, you know, that thing intact. I, I think that it's okay to just sort of bring back some of those minutes in favor of like, you know, Lonnie Walker plays a few less minutes. He's been great too. But I yeah. think that's just at some point you just again we've preached this over and over again. You only have 240 minutes of basketball to play with here. It just it's that's it, there's just hard caps on who gets to play just because the buzzer sounds at the end and you run out of time. Like this isn't you know I don't know is what is it like cricket. What's a sport that can go on forever? Like there's this isn't yeah, one of those cricket. sports that can it's just for sure keep cricket. going. <laughs> yeah, like it just can't keep going on and on and on forever. Like you have to make choices, and I think you're I think that limits the impact on the rest of it. And I think you're just end up moving a role player. Albeit a good one, like in Dorian Finney Smith to the bench. And that's just something that probably everyone can live with. And okay. I think that probably just ends up being the thing. So we agree that that's what we think that that's going to be the case. Dorian Finney Smith out, Cam Thomas in. They're a little bit small, but you sort it out. Now let's just, let's just crystallize what we think should be. Take away the, the drive, take away the contracts, just functional players here. I, I can paint. And I did this when it was with Ben Simmons, too, about how do you make these balances with Nicholas Claxton, right? It wasn't about liking or not liking a player. I love Cameron Johnson's game. And I can make a case that you put him in a second unit with Royce O'Neal and with Lonnie Walker, some Dayron Sharp. 
and trend, maybe a little trend in Watford at some point along the way, or his minutes are probably going away as guys get healthy. But I can paint a picture where having a little bit of an on-ball, a little outside shooter, a little, you know, create for himself, you could probably make your, mo- your the most dangerous second unit by sacrificing a little something in the first unit. But in the margins, I that might be the most balanced versions of things, and it's something I don't think we'll see. Do you agree on that? Yes, and I think there's actually in the end, this, I, I I do agree, and I think these are all good problems to have. Problems in quotes, like it, mm-hmm. it's not a problem to have more good players than bad. <laughs> right, like you right, should right. be, you know, every team would love to have these problems of like we just have all these dudes that should be getting minutes. Like this is crazy. Some guys you can't find a sixth man that can come in and play. Like yeah. they're about to play one of these teams tomorrow in the Hornets or or, or today when you're listening, where it's like, oh, Lamelo gets hurt. It's like, oh, I guess it's like a lot of Theo Maladone minutes here. Like, what's going to happen here? Like, it's or wow. you know, or it's a J, J, I guess JT Thor is going to get some run. Like, it's yeah, the Nets don't have these kind of problems. And I think that while their top end talent isn't the best, the reason they are nine and eight right now, or one of the main reasons they are nine and eight right now, is that when you get to guy ten, you're still talking about a good NBA player, <laughs> right? Yeah. You are yeah. still talking. Yeah. You're still talking about a good NBA rotation player. And that, for a regular season, of which the, is very important to this Brooklyn Nets team, that has been actually the story of their season to some degree, is that the bench and these other guys have been much better than many other teams' eighth, eighth and ninth guy, right? Yeah. Like, even a team like Milwaukee, like when they stick when they run with Milwaukee, it's like, yeah, Milwaukee has Giannis and Dame. I, I don't know, you get down to the bench, it's like, oh, it's a Marjan Beauchamp. Right. It's like, I don't know. Maybe we can, you know, Andre Jackson's out here. Like we can run with these guys and that kind of chipping away at the margins there has been a story of the net season. So I think these are all good problems to have. And even if like the debate around the, around the starting lineup, maybe, maybe it isn't even a debate to most of you. Maybe you're out there thinking that this isn't even a debate. Like this is easy. I I can see that too. Yeah, for sure. And by the way, the other thing that'll come out of this is I think we'll also start to get informed about big high level decisions that the Nets are going to make with certain players. The rotation you go with here, the the guys coming in off the bench as, as you get a little healthier, that's going to tell you, you know, who's sticking around, who's coming, who's going, who's carving out a real role for themselves. So it's all good when you get back a 27 point score that is going to be your leading. He's going to he's going to be the star of this team. If he isn't, it doesn't feel like it already. Cam Thomas is going to be the star of this team by the end of the year. And that's what you need him in your starting lineup, being a star, giving you a chance to win some games. All right, we're going to get out of here. We'll be back again Thursday. A couple of things going on here. Thursday pregame preview. Uh, make sure you're over on the podcast or YouTube feed for that against Charlotte. So we'll be breaking out everything you want to look for going into that game post game. Also where you're going to be over there, chopping it up live, hopefully after a Nets W uh, over on YouTube, you have to be subscribed over on lockdown Nets YouTube to make sure you get alerts for when we are going live. You can go do those. Just go sign up, uh, go log. I'll get there. Go subscribe over at lockdown Nets. You get too excited, buddy. Lockdown Nets YouTube and subscribe wherever you listen to the podcast. When one door of happiness closes, Another opens, but often we look so long at the closed door that we do not see the one has been that has been opened for us. I struggled there. That was Helen Keller with words of wisdom. Oh, one of the all-time great poets. R.I.P. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.